Hello, I'm James Fitzsimons and welcome to The Career Scoop, a podcast about career progression, advice and experiences aimed at assisting those who are in career transition. Today, my guest is Declan Ryan. Declan has been involved in the aviation industry for over 35 years and is currently executive chairman of Viva Air, located in Colombia. He has also been extensively involved in philanthropy through the One Foundation and is involved with Social Entrepreneurs Ireland. I'm delighted to welcome you to the show, Declan. Thank you, James. Great. This, 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 I would to, to, to be to be transparent. I know Declan a long time, and we we started playing rugby together. Was it December 1980 Christmas? Yeah, up the Belfast, wasn't it? NIFC. Yeah, and we thought we were like the special ones heading yeah. up. Uh, uh, it's very very interesting. But Hand, handing cans at the back of the train. Well, I, but, but, but you, you, I didn't drink okay. in those days, so okay. I, I, I definitely didn't, didn't do that. Uh, Declan, you've had a, a fabulous career, um, fabulous traveling around the world. Just, do you want to give us just a quick overview of, of, of the journey, per okay. se? Um, when we set up Ryanair in the uh, middle 80s, um, nobody knew where it was going to go. And uh, I was really jack of all trades, and it was a live MBA. Um, it took about 12 years to IPO and uh, nearly went wallop, bankrupt 13 times in those 12 years, loads and loads of times. So I think what happens then is uh, you get a resilience. Uh, sometimes you get confidence. And uh, I just said in the early, I think it was 04 or 05, 2004 or 05, I just said to everybody, I want to try this model else, elsewhere. And we did it in uh, Singapore and we did it with Tiger and we did it in um, the USA in a mezzanine deal with Allegiant. And then we did it in Mexico for 10 years with an airline down there called Viva Aerobus. And now we're in Colombia with uh, Viva Air. But we always exit. That's the key thing. We don't keep the shares and we move on and it kind of works really well that way. Interesting. So uh, after Colombia, what, what's next? Is um, There's loads of opportunities, aviation's in, in the shithouse if you don't mind me using that French, but uh, there's loads of opportunities and not all the opportunities will be uh, as operators and maybe as suppliers or whatever. So um, I'm in phase three of my life and uh, I have a lot of things I want to do. It might be all work. Uh, and on the philanthropy side, I almost wonder about that word, but anyway, uh, on the philanthropy side. It's Greek, um, it's Greek actually, I looked it up. Okay, good bad. Uh, I, I couldn't even spell it, but anyway, um, to be serious about it, just this, we closed down the One Foundation in 2013, which was a great decision. We, we said we were only going to operate it for uh, 10 years and uh, everybody worked to that agenda and made our decisions really good. We opened it up again in 2016 because of the Syrian refugee crisis. And that's just something I you know, feel very passionate about. And I get really upset when you know Ireland don't meet their quotas on taking in refugees. We're only at half of our quotas and so on. So I, I think phase three of my life, a lot of it will be to do with refugees. And some of the scary things now, guys, is the talk of climate refugees that the temperatures are rising and people... Yeah, and they're saying, Jim, and you guys know, uh, I'm not too sure Amy's been there yet, but you guys know um, uh, Vietnam. And, you know, for the Mekong to rise, even a metre or two metres seemingly affects 10 million people. So we're going to have refugees because of climate. And uh, maybe it's the good thing about COVID because I think climate change has been tagged to it or 
I think the politicians are being very clever to say, you think COVID's bad, you know, let's look at uh, climate change. And, and your, your existing programs or existing involvement with, with refugees, do you share some of the kind of the experiences? And read my questions around. We all hear this, and I've been privileged to, 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 to be in some places. Amy as well. Amy has been, been, yeah. in, been in, 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 in Africa. Um, we're in a very cocooned yeah. world over here sure. where we have water, we have a roof yeah. overhead. Nobody's going to really hurt us. Do you want to? Yeah, to so one of our uh, actor programs is with UNICEF in um, the Zatari camp, which is the third largest mm-hmm. camp in uh, Jordan. And um, I loved in January, uh, our advisory group in one uh, said uh, to them, What can we do to help? On the, uh, sorry, around March. That's when COVID really kicked in. And we said to the group, What can we do about helping the kids in the camp? And all our programs, as you know, I think, James, are related to uh, social entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs to bring uh, kids, uh, teenage kids and secondary kids to look at uh, skill sets and so on and so on. And one of the lovely things about Lebanon is a lot of our programs introduce girls to becoming kind of repair people for phones, mobile phones. And first of all, it's a move away from culture where normally girls aren't done you know, don't get involved with IT or engineering or anything else. And, you know, when you're in that environment and you can't afford another mobile phone, there's nothing more important than one of your kids or one of your family being able to uh, repair a phone and so on. The story I like about this year is we asked the kids themselves in Zatari what they wanted, and they actually just wanted to increase in uh, broadband, and they wanted it to be more uh, fast and uh, more uh, capable and so on. So there's kind of jokes around the table. The, 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 the uh, motivation with all the kids was everything down to education. And, you know, can you imagine a camp, uh, handling COVID in a camp? Like social distancing is a word for wealthy people and people who have money. You can't social distance in Colombia or Jordan and so on. So, um, so if you just kind of try to park in your mind the sadness and the, 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 the horrific uh, positions that uh, COVID would be in any of the camps, but I just love the kids were focused on their education and they wanted to uh, improve the Wi-Fi. And we said, no problem. And, and actually, it became a collaborative thing where we got involved with the local uh, uh, provider, telecom provider down there. And uh, we were able to get improved Wi-Fi. But then the joke ran around the table about them using Netflix. And I said, I don't care what they use it for. That If that's what they want, let's do it. You know, yeah. And we expected, you know, like all teenagers, we expected something to be a bit kind of, you know, um, something to do with helping them with, I don't know, more soccer balls or more gear they need or a, a little cinema or something like that. But no, it was education and Wi-Fi. You know, so I know that ticks a lot of boxes for teenagers, but I thought it was great. And, and you know, kind of when you think of um, places like Jordan, you think of PPE needed or masks or whatever you want to call it but uh, they wanted wi-fi and that's what they got it's great infrastructure yeah yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah infrastructure yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. and the, again just to uh, the, the, those young women yeah. and young men yeah what's their future i mean to, i mean um, in the simple sense of yeah, move, so move. J- jordan's probably uh one of the most amazing countries in the world for me because i think they have about up to three million certainly 
certainly near that number of refugees. A lot of them go back to the 70s and are Palestinian. I think half of them are Palestinian who don't have paperwork. So it's bad enough to be a refugee, but refugee without paperwork is, you know, very difficult situation. You know, do you ever see them going back to Palestine? I, I, I don't know. Um, but Jordan's an incredible... And by the way, it's one of the countries in the Middle East that doesn't have resources. So it's, you know, it has a pile of U.S. Uh, Air Force bases, which is fine because they get huge amounts of contribution to the economy. But it's hard to see, Jim. Like, what I hope is a, a Bill Gates or a Mary Robinson comes out. Like, that's what we would really love to do is get a a rock star come out of these camps and then people start focusing in that these are really hardworking people and clever and so on. So, you know, some kind of um, uh, new technology or new equipment that could come out of the camps, you know, these people are just, they're so innovative and creative, you know, so I I hate to think what the future is going to be like because I think what's happened in the world, we're getting a little deep here, but I think what's happened in the world is uh, people are going to start focusing in on, you know, who can afford vaccines and all that kind of stuff. And I don't trust big pharma and so on. But anyway, phase three uh, for me is going to be a lot of this stuff. Okay, that's that's yeah. gosh, that's that's uh, that's a reality. Yeah. Uh, and just moving swiftly back to your career, and I do recollect you telling me a story that one of your first jobs in Ryanair was as a baggage handler. And yeah. You, and you weren't very good at it, if no, I recall. No, 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 so. no, no, no. Uh, I, I was regarded as a bit soft uh, by the guys and so on. But we regularly used to go on the ramp. And uh, uh, I had done a previous to Ryanair when I worked in America West and Phoenix and so on. And there's no better way to understand an operation than um, doing – it doesn't have to be baggage handler, but being on the ramp. My favorite job I've ever done in my life is – you might see them around airports is, or, or airplanes is – the guys with the red caps and they're like for me they're like the british rail uh, dispatchers who are world class and those trains go out at 07 or whatever time on the hour and so on and when you're a dispatcher on the ground you can tell the pilots what to do you can tell the fuelers what to do you can tell you know because you're just in charge of getting the airplane out there and so on so yeah it was the kind of um, atmosphere we were trying to create in uh, ryanair and uh, you know, my brother Carl was a uh, captain there and they'd all say to me, the only thing you're allowed different if you're a captain is your shoes. So they used to call Carl Captain Gucci. So I'd say, Jesus, Dad, Captain Gucci's on this one. So it's just, it's great. And listen, the night we IPO'd uh, is one of my favorite stories because I have a couple of points with the lads, used to play soccer with them and all that kind of stuff. Shite of that as well. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the uh, ground handlers, uh, I think got about 5,000 uh, euros in the middle, uh, sorry, in um, 1997 uh, from the IPO. And, you know, he was putting it down uh, as a deposit against his house. And, you know, that's, that's, that's special. That's kind of cool. That's, that's kind of cool. cool. Yeah. Any mistakes you want to share with us? Oh, just funny ones and serious ones? And, or funny and serious ones? I don't know. I think part, part of the problem, Jim, is uh, in aviation, none of the mistakes are small. If you get a lease rate wrong on an airplane or the fuel price, like let's talk about fuel for a sec. British Airways are of the view, and I think they're right, uh, that you hedge 50% of your fuel and you let the other of it just the price uh, set wherever the marketplace is. They take the point that they're not fuel speculators and, you know, look at the price of fuel at the moment. It's so low and so on. So it's very easy to say, Jesus, fuel is very low, hedge it. The hedges cost a lot of money, and then it goes lower, 
So there's been buckets, loads of mistakes. Um, you know, I, I, I always get caught out on this question because I just can't remember them. But Jesus, there's, there were so many of them. And, and what you learn from them? I suppose maybe that's, oh, yeah, that's, 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 that's the, the key. That's the, yeah, I, I think that the thing I learned most is about people that, you know, sometimes I think we judge people too quickly in a work environment. And, you know, um, there was a CFO at the time and he became a good friend of mine. And, and I, I, I blamed him for the problems we had on cash that he should have been better and so on. Um, Michael actually had the opposite opinion and said that we actually need him and uh, he had um, uh, respect for the guy because of the amount of pressure like he was effectively uh, trying to uh, manage the financial department on his own and so on so you learn that about people you, you, you make sure you never do them again and you have people around you who also have the scars from that and the team in Irlandia you know would know uh, like, for example, in uh, when we were setting up Tiger in Singa Singapore and our partners were Singapore Airlines, uh, one of the guys announced that the, um, they had given all the cabin crew uh, free uh, taxi rides uh, in the morning because of uh, there was no public transport. I know what they were trying to do. That cost us about 500 quid a head to get out of it in Ryanair. What you actually do is you ring up the cab. Uh, what you actually do is you ring up all the taxi firms and you say who wants to bid for our work, and then it becomes a couple of euros ahead for the girls to pay. You know, you don't make it a, a, a benefit for the cabin crew if you want to keep fares around twenty five, thirty dollars. Right? But listen, there's been so many mistakes. You know, just aviation's. Yeah, just, um, and, and, and at the moment, where, 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 where is the future in aviation? You must be. I think it's going to shrink. Uh, on, you know what? We were doing really well. We had a, a board meeting at the beginning of uh, March in Peru, uh, and the guys from Dublin were down, and so Howard Miller and so on. Uh, the guys came down for the board meeting, the team in Ireland came down. And we knew that the first quarter was done and dusted with regard to our results, and we were really doing well. And then COVID came along. Um, so where do I think? I think you're going to see a lot less airlines. Um, I think traveling for romance and leisure and family will be fine. But, you know, will you take your family, Jim, on a long haul flight? The thought that somebody may be... Uh, infected, you know, sitting in an hour for an airplane for 13. I think business class and long-haul flights are going to get affected. On, on, by this. And it's a bit ironic for us in Colombia because in Colombia uh, our airplanes are extremely clean and, and you've heard old stories about the air filtration systems on airplanes but all the buses are packed and nobody's wearing masks, you know, and so mm. it's just, it, it, I, you know, somebody asked me this question recently, Jim, I think it was Vincent Wall because I did a podcast with him uh, recently and uh, in News Talk, and he said, where do I think it's going to end up? And I said, be careful to try to write history before it's finished. I, 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 I'm not too sure where it's going to end up. But it's it's going to be, you know, maybe it, maybe it become like um, the oil business or banks that you just have fewer number of players. Yeah, and the, 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 the people who are more dexterous and flexible and creative yeah. Yeah. will be the ones that... Yeah, and then if you take banking as an example, and all our kids are doing it now, and I've gone into it, you start using Revolut. So th there'll be innovations in aviation, I'm sure. Uh, and 
you know, IT has helped aviation big time because prior to internet, uh, our um, distribution cost guys was around 10%. Now it's like one or 2%. So that's this. Okay. Different. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. What advice would you give a 22 year old graduate coming out of, of college now or, or coming into the workforce as to? Yeah, I worry, and, and Amy's looking at me here. I, I, I worry, and, and so I have Anna, who's the same age and having lunch with her today, thank God. I haven't seen her in a while. Um, I worry there's a tendency, and uh, uh, Jim, you probably are more orientated towards this mm-hmm. than the kids today. I wonder, are they overstudying? Uh, I have a pal, I can't tell you where he's from, but he's from one of the universities and he's an economics professor. And he said he didn't do, to do the master's, but everything he learned in the college was outside the lecture hall. It was how to treat women and, you know, uh, how to date and how to survive cooking and uh, puncturing or uh, re- repairing punctures in the bike in the piss and rain and realizing that lads from Kilkenny are incredibly brilliant rugby players as well. Um, so I hate the idea of what's happening because of COVID in colleges. And, uh, you know, I just think I want to be careful about the way I say this, but the first thing I do when I see somebody's CVs is their um, hobbies. Uh, by and large, if somebody... So you start at the bottom where most I people start, put them. Yeah, yeah. And work back up. Yeah, but you know they're bullshitting straight away. Like I met a girl there a while ago and she was talking to me about Sri Lanka and I know, well, she'd never been. Like, you know, right? No, 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 no right. And, you know, but... And when did she realize that she, she had just... She said, just she just talked her way through it with, a, you know, the red going down her neck and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, the other bit about that, the important bit is, uh, let's say Amy loves, which I know... Uh, uh, everything to do with Italy, Siena, and you know, cooking, and your granddad, and all that kind of stuff. If I see that Amy, and you can see them by the way, you know, and particularly if they're seeing me, they're kind of planking it a bit already. So what I what I say to them is, talk to me about Siena, and then they light up. It's like a flower opening up, and so on. So I'm talking to you a little bit about. I think I don't know. I, you know. Um, A, not to, uh, so the advice is A, not to uh, lose confidence. And that's a hard thing to do, no matter what age you are in life. And B, masters and PhDs, I'm going to get shot for saying this. You know, there's this, they're fine if you want to be an academic for your uh, rest of your life. I want somebody who's worked in Ryanair or Aldi or Food Cloud or you name it. Um, I, 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 want, I want live stuff. I don't want theoretical I'm not saying people shouldn't do university no I, 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 I would have similar views myself I'm being careful obviously it, it, it's but that the system is the system so you have to deal with what's in front of you it's yeah. the other skills this kind of the below the line skills the soft skills that you may not learn in, a, in, a, in an academic environment yeah. for obvious reasons of yeah. life skills I suppose yeah. and if you take uh, I'm really going to get shot now on this you take barristers every barrister I'm sorry most barristers I've met feel entitled. And uh, Harper Lee was asked, who wrote The Kill a Mockingbird, which is very topical at the moment. Uh, is it a racist book or not? But anyway, um, she was asked uh, once, what's the dirtiest word in the English dictionary? And she said entitlement. 
I always find barristers entitled and, you know, the last thing they should be is entitled because, you know, two entitled people negotiating for somebody who has a farming or a land problem down in Cork, you know, so hmm. we just have to, I, 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 I think on, on an optimistic basis for the 22 year old, I think education is going to change big time and that's going to make it more. One, one year degrees kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Like modules. You know, modules. Yeah, yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Real, real what the business wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and what would you look for? So say you're hiring someone, I'm just an office manager, just use okay. that. So what are you looking for from that person? It's um, just a, a human. Man. It depends on the role, but, you know. Say an office manager. So, so in that okay. kind of. Well, a bit close to home, uh, the lady I picked was a single parent. And it wasn't because she was a woman. It's just if you're a single parent, you you, you know how to fucking manage your time. It's, it's life experiences, you know. Um, it's, you know, you don't have to be a do-gooder. You don't have to go to Jordan and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think we know some of them, Jim, the guys who uh, grew up. You know, when's last, and I sound like I'm 100 here, the J-1 visa was a great process for the Irish and none of the kids are doing it now. You know, um, you know, the amount of uh, John Good was just here a second ago. John worked two or three summers on building sites in London. You know, I'm not saying everybody has to be, you know, a blue collar worker, but that's what I love. Like, you know, um, if you talk to somebody in the horse industry, they never tell you what time they get up every morning. They get up at four. They're cleaning, mucking out stables. They're just and everybody's equal in that sense. And everybody's equal in that yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your your horse, again, I don't know a lot of or the, the, the care of the horses is is as good as the weakest link. Yeah, so, yeah. So if someone doesn't put the right water down, yeah. that horse can be affected. Yeah, and if you're going into a competition like the Olympics or whatever, or some amateur meet down in Kerry or something, if the horse are not right, you're not going. Yeah. You know, so that... That, you know, I just, I just, that, there's a place for academics and academia. You know, um, we're all going to get a shot here now, uh, Jim. I, I walk around UCD, it hasn't changed in 30 years. You know, there's no hope to it. You know, there's no, there's no, I love when you go to Galway and you open up the car and you show my age, UCG, but NUIG. There's atmosphere comes into the car uh, because of the place and so on. So, you know, um, I think there's a bit too much D4 focusing on masters and PhDs. And do you think that do you think that's a, a driven by 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 profit? Nah, I don't think so. I think it's driven by parents' desire to for their kids to move on. But you know, um, how do you move on if you went to Rock and then you go to UCD? I, I just don't know it. Um, but I think to the 22-year-old is, you know, obviously do what you love. If you don't do what you love. Um, a pal of mine uh, was talking to a futurologist, and the comment was, uh, we don't need maths in the future because the, our computers will work out what we're trying to do. And well, certainly you and I weren't great at maths to learn. Speak for yourself. Okay, okay. Um, so, uh, and, and it was advice to kids that you're going to have four different careers. And, you know, I think when you start off as being a barrister or being somebody in one of the big accountancy firms, you kind of think, you know, maybe I'll be an accountant for all my life or whatever. So I think if you thought you're going to have four careers from day one and you've had 
you know, I think as gas you're interviewing entrepreneurs, you really need to uh, interview yourself how many times you've sold businesses successfully, but you never talk about that. But moving on from that, like that's the live stuff, you know, um, you know, you hear all these stories, uh, like look at Brody Sweeney. He's done an amazing job. He's remarkable. Yeah, he is a remarkable. His energy, his and some of his stories about um, making sure the kids were born at the weekend because it helped cash and all these kind of stories. This is brilliant, you know. He's been in, and there is a man who learned from his mistakes. Yeah, and his ego, and he's just so, he's just so, and he'll tell you, Brody will tell you that his ego went nuts, and he decided to become a Fine Gael TD for Clontarf. He got his ass kicked and so on, you know. So, I, I, you know, I think I think for kids that uh, education is important. But you know, uh, I love this. There was a, a Jewish um, uh, Israeli ex-president was asked about. Uh, he was eighty-three and he was on Amapur. Uh, that lady who does the great interviews in the states, and he he was asked about uh, death, and he says, "Young lady, I have too many books to read." You know, there's. You learn more from books than you do from yeah. and life than you do from it. I, I, I just think about college and one of my kids recently said they didn't want to go to college anymore. And I said, great. You know, it's, it's not for everybody. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's, 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 it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a provocative um, um, space because I suppose we have a program and society devise a program. Good. Good, predominantly, if it makes sense yeah. for good reason. Yeah. But when the world changes, to actually change the program takes quite a while. I wonder, guys, uh, would uh, Ireland change if you had to pay like the US fees for colleges? Because, you know, a lot of people will be saying, I'm not paying $70,000 for the kids to get educated on the screen, you know, online and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. interesting. We're, we're lucky here. Right, Declan, kind of final question for okay. you is around workplace stress, um, mindfulness. So in the world we're in now, and for young people in particular who have got their qualifications, have come into the, the job and are moving themselves through their job to the best of their ability. Have you any thoughts around that or comments? Yeah. Uh, the, fir- the first thing I wrote down there, I, I think they're in a better place in some ways because and you would know this, James, through uh, SEI and also Jigsaw, the whole issue of mental health is now in the papers all the time. And forget COVID, it was in the papers prior to that. And that's a big achievement for Ireland. So I think there's more of a sympathy. Um, As you know, I suffer from depression myself and it makes you a better person because effectively you go, oh shit, how can anybody operate when I was that low and so on? The social media bit, I just don't know how I kind of, I think it's kind of easy for us when we're in our fifties to kind of say we're dinosaurs and we don't really understand it and so on. But, uh, you know, uh, one of my sons is an actor and I just think that would be terrible to be in that area. And, you know, that that's all about rejection and your ass is too big or your nose is wrong or, you know, um, your accent's wrong and all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I think, uh, I, I don't know, and, and maybe, maybe uh, people, maybe like Shane Holland and stuff on Google, should be asked, like, why isn't there more leniency in uh, companies when it comes to social media? And, you know, two hours every day, people don't touch the phone. And I know that'd be kind of against Google's 
kind of business. So but take a break. Take a break. Because not taking a break at home. No. And it, what is it? Um, a telephonica, say, uh, I was at a presentation. Um, the joke was, sorry, the, the, the issue is 90, they have 400 million customers. Uh, 95% of their customers have their phone within a meter of themselves 24 hours a day. And then the guy who was presenting, he was very good, the CEO, he says, sometimes the first and the last thing you touch it in your day and at night is your phone. It's your phone. It's Which, not your partner. It's not your kids. It's your phone. That's a really, yeah. that's a really, uh, God, that's, I, that's, that's, I, yeah, very, that's true. Yeah, yeah, it is true. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know how, I, I'm kind of glad I'm not, you know, that, that we, I don't know, when, when did we get mobile phones in the late 80s, early 90s, whenever it was. But uh, I'm just kind of glad we kind of skipped that. Okay. And my last, last, last question. Uh, uh, five words that you'd use to describe your journey, your career? Intense, scary, then came confidence, then came acceptance, and then came no fear. Oh, fair. That's a lovely way to, to finish. Jacqueline, I would like to thank you so much for giving your time today. Thank you. And um, it's always good. To, always God good. You had Amy with you. Always good. To, and Amy is our sound technician here who's keeping us all, us old guys, all, all in place. So thank you very much. Good. Thank you for listening to The Career Scoop, brought to you by Elevate Career Advice and Elevate Executive Selection. I'm James Fitzsimons, and I hope you've enjoyed listening.